Vaccine mandates affect cross-border trade. Retailers advance their sustainability goals. And ransomware and cyber attacks are on the rise. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Heister Company, a global manufacturer of forklifts, high-capacity lift trucks, and container handling equipment. Operations rely on Heister for everything from advanced power sources for materials handling equipment to their industry-leading package of operator assist technologies, Heister Reaction. For more information, visit Heister.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, we saw over the past couple of weeks the protests and blockades at Canadian border crossings. Can the same thing happen on the southern border with Mexico? To find out, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Uh, yes, our guest today is Josie Blanco, who leads the legal and compliance department at cross-border trade platform Nuvacargo, which specializes in U.S.-Mexico trade. Uh, welcome, Josie. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Great. Well, I'll just jump right into it and, and just start by saying, you know, the pandemic has affected cross-border trade in many ways. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, what have been some of the greatest challenges shippers and carriers have been dealing with on the U.S.-Mexico border over the past two years? I'd say the greatest challenge has been reduced operator capacity, um, due in part to cases among drivers and other disincentives in an industry that was already having difficulty sourcing drivers. For example, COVID stimulus checks um, that reduced driver capacity on the U.S. side. Um, in particular, since Mexico is such an important trade partner with the U.S., when there were frequent and sustained lockdowns in China, there was an increase in trade flows among the US Southern border. Um, so more recently with the Omicron wave, we've observed a lot of cases among operators um, and this along with the supply hangover from the holiday season, um, we've seen week over week rate increases during a period where normally we see cost per mile drop. It's been about a month since the vaccine requirement for truck drivers and other essential workers entering the U.S. Uh, went into effect. Um, can you describe the requirements of this new rule and how it's affecting cross-border trade? Sure. So the DHS mandate is for foreign drivers, basically anyone who's not a U.S. citizen, permanent resident, or national. It came into effect on January 22nd, and this mandate requires all foreign drivers entering into the U.S., to be fully vaccinated and to provide related proof of vaccination. They have to attest to their COVID vaccination status verbally. They have to provide a CDC approved COVID-19 vaccination and they have to present a valid passport and prepare for any other relevant documents that could be requested by the CBP. Uh, in particular, this is a challenge in for Mexican drivers because not all of the vaccines that have been supplied in Mexico are approved for purposes of the mandate. For example, the Gansino and Sputnik vaccines that are being applied in Mexico are not acceptable for purposes of the vaccination requirement. Um, so far, Mexico has done a pretty good job in administering vaccines and other good news is that B1 drivers who are typically crossing 
the border have had access to vaccines approved in the U.S. since they were crossing frequently before the mandate came into place. So it's a, an extra, you know, obviously piece of documentation that drivers need. Are, are there technology tools that that help with any of these issues? Is is that um, you know, an issue at all? Yeah. So I think as a broker, it's difficult to use technology tools to assist because we are not the employer of the carriers. Um, but there are some digital vaccine records that have been extremely helpful for carriers to be able to show this proof of vaccination. VaxYes, for example, which is previously validated by many states in the US, which allows you to upload photos of your vaccine card and store it in your digital wallet. I think where we've seen the biggest impact of technology and supply chain processes most recently is related to the bill of lading supplement that is now required by the Mexican tax authorities because that requires a substantial flow of information from shippers and carriers and having digital processes in place has been totally essential. The pandemic in general has accelerated the need to modernize the sector through technology and I think as this has been only one month, but I think that there will be more and more apps and technology available for drivers to be able to show all the documents that are required in the most seamless way possible. Yeah, we've certainly seen the acceleration of technology in these past two years, absolutely. Um, we saw delays and disruptions related to the vaccine mandates um, on the northern border, primarily from the protests across Canada in late January and earlier this month. Um, you know, and there we may see similar actions here in the U.S. in the coming weeks. Do you expect um, this kind of situation to happen on the southern border at all, or is the, is the situation completely different? The situation is quite different. I mean, part of it is just the anti-vaccine sentiment that is has made a lot of headlines in the U.S. and Canada is not as predominant in Mexico. Um, we don't expect there to be protests on the southern border with respect to the specific mandate. It has had some legislative traction, which is interesting. For example, Senator Rick Scott in, from Florida introduced legislation that would exempt foreign truck drivers from the cross-border COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where, where things like that go. I mean, I think the biggest issue is how this is affecting an already very strained um, supply chain. Yeah, um, how would you say uh, the pandemic um, is continues to affect cross-border trade in general? You know, now that cases and hospitalizations seem to be waning everywhere and restrictions are being lifted in many places, you know, are carriers still experiencing labor problems due to illness and quarantine requirements, for example? Like, what are sort of the lingering effects um, here as we sit in late February? I think, I mean, it's more of a lingering effect issue. So the peak of the Omicron wave, which was when we saw most cases, from drivers was in at least Mexico sometime in mid-January. We've seen cases stalling, um, but there is kind of a backlog that we've been experiencing from January forward. Um, so it continues to be an issue. What other um, issues on the horizon are you watching in terms of U.S.-Mexico trade? Anything in particular that shippers and carriers should be paying attention to, you know, as we head further into 2022? So I think the biggest issue is the Mexican tax authority mandate for Com Complemento Cartaporte, which is bill of lading supplement, which came into effect January 1st. But the penalties for 
filling out that form incorrectly will only come into effect on March 31st, 2022. So it's kind of been like a test ride for everyone in the industry that's moving goods between Mexico and the US. I think that's something that has been made way more efficient by digital platforms such as Nuvo Cargo. Um, and it's important to note that there's going to be a similar requirement for custom clearance also starting March 31st, 2022. So that's something that everyone should be paying attention to. Um, and then just things are happening because as a consequence of this new BOL supplement, for example, we see a lot of our carrier partners moving more from like transactional customers to more streamlined dedicated customers because of the time it gets to get information from shippers to carriers. Um, I think generally we're requiring that all of the information is provided for the new required documentation at least 24 to 48 hours prior to pickup. Um, and so it's something that, that people still need to continue to work on. We've seen a huge learning curve from carriers filling out this form um, and a lot of confusion with respect to kind of this double requirement now with the customs clearance BOL supplement. So that's something that I think should be the focus going forward right now between Mexico and the US. Terrific. Josie, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your insight. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Great. Um, back to you, Dave. Thank you, Josie and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, you and I were both at the RELA Retail Supply Chain Conference this week in Dallas, and you reported from the show on some of the leading trends affecting retailers. What can you tell us? That's right. We were at the Retail Industry Leaders Association, which is known as RELA. Uh, their retail supply chain show is called Link, and we were there in Dallas this week. It was an in-person show, which was the first in a long time for many attendees. And we heard speakers talk about a variety of topics. Uh, some examples are how shippers can navigate the really tight parcel market by diversifying their carrier pools and building out their curbside pickup. Uh, another one was how retail employers are tweaking their work environments to cope with the labor crunch. Uh, for example, they're offering gamified technologies and more flexible shifts. Uh, third example is how retailers really need to make sure they're getting a return on investment in their rush to offer that same day delivery. Uh, one way is to measure the change in customer revenues in certain regions where they offer that as opposed to others where they don't yet. Uh, and another subject we learned about was how retailers can make progress on sustainability and climate goals, which can really seem like an overwhelming job in any industry. But even though it's hard, uh, companies are getting a lot of pressure to deliver on that, uh, on their corporate and social responsibility or CSR. Uh, and there are ways to both satisfy the, those stakeholder demands and also to generate new value, we learned at the show. Well, Ben, those goals can be overwhelming. What advice did you hear on how retailers can handle them? Well, we heard from an expert named Henry Fovarg, who's a partner with the Boston Consulting Group. And he broke the topic up into six climate priorities and shared examples on how certain companies are getting traction on each one. So first was agriculture and raw materials. Those can produce carbon from many sources. Um, for example, cattle digestion uh, makes a lot of methane, but retailers like Walmart uh, can cut back on those methane emissions 
by actually working with farmers on specialized feed. I guess it makes the cattle burp less or something. Number two was uh, fuel and fleet. So those sources obviously, you know, tailpipe emissions uh, most famously might seem unavoidable, cost of doing business. Uh, but you, you see some of the really big players like Amazon have made some huge strides in their electric vehicles, uh, particularly last mile. Number three was plastics, um, packaging particularly. Uh, that creates really widespread pollution. You can find uh, miniature parts of plastic, you know, throughout all the oceans in the world uh, and, and getting into human food sources as well at this point. But the British retailer Tesco now offers its own recycling service both for the shopping bags that customers carry and other items like the clamshell uh, boxes that hold food. Uh, number four out of six was electricity and heat because you have to keep all your DCs and stores running, of course. Uh, and that might seem beyond your corporate control. Uh, but for an example, IKEA, they've built their own wind turbine fields. And at certain times of year, they can sell the extra power that they generate back into the grid. Uh, number five out of the six was refrigerant gases. So those are really nasty. Those create far more global warming potential than carbon dioxide do. But one example uh, pushing back on that is Target. So they have begun to replace those leaky systems with, um, with new ones with each new store remodel or distribution center refit as it comes up. And that's instead of waiting for new regulations that force their hand, um, so they might have to replace machines that still have years of service remaining on them. So instead, they sort of take advantage of um, the upgrades that they're already doing. And finally, number six was food waste. So that seems like something you really can't control and that can sort of pull the rug out from beneath all your other hard work. But again, looking at Tesco, that British retailer, uh, they've trimmed down the food waste problem, uh, for example, with a popular line uh, of ugly vegetables, uh, so-called, because otherwise those tend to get thrown away by the farmers if they're misshapen or too small. But uh, Tesco's now looking to expand their ugly vegetable or ugly veg line. Uh, people have really taken to them. Uh, another thing they do with those funny looking, uh, you know, potatoes and uh, squash uh, they can actually put them into smoothies or face creams instead of throwing them away. So they actually can uh, get them into the revenue cycle. So according to Fovarg, those different kinds of success stories uh, show that retailers can make climate progress if they break the larger problem into smaller pieces and then, you know, apply different tools and, uh, and get a little traction on it. Well, that sort of goes back to that old adage of eating the elephant one bite at a time to assure steady progress. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, another speaker that actually that we heard uh, had referred to that uh, similar parallel kind of challenge uh, in, in what she called chunking up the problem. Uh, so in, instead of uh, trying to tackle the whole thing, breaking it into bite-sized bits. Thanks, Ben. Always glad to be here. And Victoria, you wrote this week about the rise of ransomware and other cyber attacks on supply chains. What have you found out? Yes, that's right. So um, we found out business leaders are quite worried about the growing volume of attacks on IT networks, and they're especially concerned about supply chain vulnerability um, this year. And that's according to a report from cybersecurity firm, a cybersecurity firm called Sonic Wall. Uh, their um, 2022 cyber threat report tracked a 232% increase in ransomware, in particular globally, since 2019 and a 105% increase from 2020 to 2021. 
Um, as most listeners probably know, ransomware is, is malware that uses encryption to hold an organization or it could be a person's data you know, captive so they can't access files, databases, databases applications, um, unless they meet the uh, ransomware requirement. Uh, those kinds of attacks were up 98% in the United States last year and up 220% in the United Kingdom, just to give two uh, regional examples. Just about all of the cyber threats that the company monitors rose last year. That includes ransomware and other encrypted threats, Internet of Things, malware, and something called crypto jacking. And that's where criminals will gain access to a computer system and mine for cryptocurrency. Um, all of this, uh, according to the report, is, is due really in large part because of our growing reliance on IT systems and the difficult task of securing them. They're essentially becoming just a more and more attractive target for criminals. And we see that on the global stage, uh, especially with some of the um, you know, warnings and threats uh, against businesses and supply chains uh, related to um, you know, the situation in Russia and in Ukraine and elsewhere. So it's a serious issue that business owners are becoming more and more concerned about. Yeah. Victoria, did the report say anything about supply chain threats in particular? Yes, so um, they tracked huge increases in supply chain cyber attacks uh, last year, specifically in supply chains related to government, healthcare, education, and retail. Um, those were the ones most affected by ransomware attacks. Um, in government, those kinds of attacks were up nearly 2,000%. In healthcare and education, the percentage increase was in the triple digits. And in retail, the incidences of ransomware were up more than 20%. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week with our guest, um, Kyle Rice of um, SAP NS2, the IT security firm. And he mentioned some high profile cyber attacks that affected energy supply lines. Uh, the ransomware attack on the Colonial Pipeline last spring was one example. Um, so it's pretty clear that these kinds of incidents are not going away. Rice and others have talked about the need for um, you know, heightened awareness and also greater collaboration in, across the private and public sectors to um, to fight against this. Um, so the study that we covered this week certainly shows awareness is high um, and hopefully uh, you know, the needed collaboration and communication efforts to protect against this as much as you can um, you know, will follow. Yeah, so I guess bottom line is be aware and be prepared. Exactly. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Again, our thanks to Josie Blanco of Nuvo Cargo for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we also encourage you to check out our 11-part limited podcast series from CFCMP's Supply Chain Quarterly, on the top 10 supply chain threats. Search on your favorite podcast platform to listen to the episodes. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Heister. With strength, durability, and their industry-leading suite of lift truck operator assist technologies, Heister powers your possibilities. For more information, visit Heister.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters when we'll look at how supply chains are affected by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.